It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Flint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Friday. You're in uh you're in Tuscaloosa. How are we feeling? I am really good. Uh there's a lot of uh, disarray at Auburn. I'm not the type of fan. That, I mean, everybody's going to handle Auburn differently if you're an Alabama guy. Everybody's going to handle it differently, and that's, that's fine. I'm not the type of fan that uh, uh, revels, you know, when, when something's happening to the rival that makes me happy. Happy's not not the right word, but uh, I, I get very interested. I'm really interested in what's going on over there, but uh, but it's from a kind of like like a favorite tv show sort of thing like man you see what's happened on that tv show comes on tuesdays at eight o'clock you've been watching this that's like what auburn's like to me i mean i'm like i'm it's i'm very interested in what's happening there it's one of my favorite shows but but that doesn't mean that i root for them pull for them in any way i don't but i'm always very interested and uh when they've got real scandal circus type stuff going on it's like the most compelling television to watch it has to be i mean it that entire situation is wild. And yet again, I made this mistake with Austin Davis. I will not be making it a second time. We will not be discussing certain rumors, but we all know what they are. I'll discuss one thing about it because I stand by this. This is what I want to happen. I'll discuss what I want. This is what now I, I don't think this will have anything. To, I, I hope that it's an innocent situation. And I hope this is just what I'm personally hoping. I hope that girl who now is statewide famous for a terrible reason. I hope it's not true. And I hope because of what she's been drugged through, if it's not true, I hope she ends up walking away from this wealthy for life for what she's gone through, if it's not true. Right. And I'm hoping it's not. So yeah. that's the only thing. I hope that's not true. And I hope she gets paid for, it, having, for having to endure this, if it's not true. It if is, it is true, then I'll have opinions. But it is scary that we're even talking about the possibility that something like that's not true. That's the world we live in. People can make up rumors that have no standing, and this one could be true. I'm not saying that it is or isn't, but the point being is, is that it is wild to me that if I wanted to, you know, I could go out here and create something about Nick Saban and some kind of scandal. And granted. I think a lot of people wouldn't believe it just because of where he's at in his life and stuff like that. But the, the point is, is that you can make up anything you want and some people will absolutely run with it. Now, Jimbo yep. Fisher gets upset when the stuff that, you know, I understand bro Bobble and, and sliced bread started the whole thing. And maybe the whole $50 million, $30 million, whatever it is, maybe that pool of funds does not exist, but there's some validity and truth to the NIL stuff. So that's a little bit different. This is somebody's personal life. I mean, you're attacking somebody and, who knows? It might be true. I don't know. Doesn't matter. We're not going to get into the specifics. I guess context clues, you can kind of get an idea. 
based off of things that we've said, but time will tell. We just know that Brian Harson is in some hot water for some stuff, and based off of reports, he could be getting fired for calls. And that means that they, I think he would be owed like $12.8 million of his contract if he were to get fired, you know, without it being for calls. And so Auburn can save quite a bit of money. It also brings up the question, you know, the Jeremy Pruitt situation, it makes right. you think if a, a, a university wants to get out of paying you your contract, is it possible that you can kind of try to dig up some dirt on your own guy, paint him to be yep. a certain way, and then fire him for calls where you don't have to pay him? And that way you can get out of these contracts that have, you know, clauses to, to keep you, you know, buyouts and stuff to keep you from being able to do that kind of thing. But uh, I, I'm, yet again, don't know that that's happening. Just crazy. Right. College football is crazy, what people are willing to do. But what we're going to be talking about today are the power rankings for the defensive players. We did the offensive players yesterday. Going to shift focus to the defense, run through it real quick. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but I do want to also, you know, this is a good defensive class, not as big as the offensive class is. I think there was 16 players, if I'm not mistaken, on that side. There's 10 on this side. And so and if I'm, is it 10? It's 11. Okay. I might have. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I have 10 down. Um, I don't know who in the world I could have missed. But I have Eli Ricks included too, but we'll we'll go through and then I'll just slot the guy in wherever, which just tells you exactly you know, where we're at as far as I feel like I was pretty prepared, but you kind of just hit me with like a, I sit down for a test in high school and, you know, I'm thinking that it's going to be on chapter seven and eight. And they're like, wait a minute. We're on, no, it's chapters eight and nine, buddy. I don't know where you got seven from, but then you're like, well, we'll just, uh, I got half of it, so we'll see how this goes. But anyways, we'll go ahead and get started. Jimmy, he got in at number 11. Okay, and this is exactly why it's probably like my favorite kid to talk about in the whole list. This is exactly why I love this class. I, I think people just say, well, of course, the Bama on three guys is going to say that. But y'all will learn uh, from, from listening to the show and read my stuff on the board. I mean, I, I, I'll be critical. I'll, I'll be, I, I say what I believe all the time. And, of course, I'm an optimistic person when it comes to football in Alabama, so I'll mostly be optimistic because that's just who I am. But I'll say all that to say that at number 11 or last, wherever we have it, last on my on my defensive power ranking board is Jake Pope. But I like Jake Pope. I like him a lot. I'm really glad that we took him. And I think Jake Pope could be a two- or three-year starter at Alabama. Um, I think safety is a really unique position on defense. I think uh, – a kid that's really instinctive uh, can be a great safety. I don't think you have to be the best athlete in the world to be a really good safety uh, in the SEC. I'll give you a good example. Our current best safety in the program, Jordan Battle, who is a really good player. I think he's going to be drafted pretty high. I think he's going to make a lot of money playing football. And I think he's next year, one of the best safeties in college football. And I'll also say that I don't think Jordan Battle is as athletic as many other premier safeties we've had at Alabama. I think Jordan Battle primarily gets it done because he's highly instinctive and he's smart and, and, and he's, he's, he's got ball skills. He's a ball player. He's a leader. And, and all those things count at safety. And for all those reasons, that's why I like Jake Pope who is a better athlete than anyone might, might think. Uh, I, I like Pope. I think he's a multi-year starter, and I have him last on the list. Uh, did you include Walter Bob? I did not include Walter Bob. Man, where am I? I have, I have 11 without Walter Bob. We'll just keep going, and then when I <laughs> – 
<laughs> when I say names, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know what? I was like, oh, I got it. It's Walter Bob. How'd you miss that, Clint? Yeah, I'm no. just not including him. But that's where we went wrong. I'm wrong. I got 10. And guess who checks in at number 10 for me? Jake Pope. I completely agree with you. Four-star <laughs> player. The on-three consensus rankings and the on-three rankings are very similar. I mean, the number 300 overall player, the number 301 overall player, 31 safety, 32nd safety, four-star prospect according to both. The only site that had him listed as a three-star was Rivals. But, you know, otherwise, pretty unison as far as him being kind of one of those lower-rated JV and Cohen type of four-star players. And look what ended up happening with Cohen. You know, I, I, I really like him. You know, he's got similar size to Antonio Kite, but he's built different. You know, he's that 6'1", 190-pound safety, but I think he's going to end up being, you know, 6'1", 200-plus pounds. The ball skills are there. He played wide receiver in high school, which is going to allow him to have those natural ball skills. You brought up instincts. I think that's a huge part of his game, and I really like his athleticism. So I think at the very least, this guy's going to be, you know, a – core special teamer for Alabama and then later on in his career I could totally see him being a one or two year starter for sure so I still like him sitting at number nine for me is Antonio Kite another safety who on three is a little bit higher on him than I am they have him listed almost as a top 100 prospect at number 111 overall the consensus has him down there at 168 I like him a lot I just don't think he's a complete safety you know he's a little bit on the lean side you know being 6'2 185 190 pounds but he is getting bigger. I know that before his senior season, he was like 180. So he's added, you know, five or 10 pounds, great ball skills. You know, he also played some receiver in high school, but he was kind of a part-time receiver, played a lot more safety. He's got good range. You know, he's not going to be an in-the-box type of defender or, or at least with any sort of consistency because I don't think he's that's just his game is more of a, you know, he's not really a run-stopping, you know, come downhill, play super physical type of safety. But that's totally fine. I think you leave him, you know, playing your your single high stuff or the, your typical split safety, you know, two safety look. Either one of those two things. Leave him far off the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to do well, and I think he adds a lot of depth. So, Jimmy, who'd you have at number uh, ten? Uh, I actually had kite. I'll just talk about kite briefly. I had kite a little higher than you, not much, uh, just just a couple spots higher, uh, and. and but I still, I mean, I'm going to like every defensive player. You know, if I like the guy that's in last, I like every one of them, and I do. Uh, I do like Kite quite a bit, and I think he can also be a multi-year starter at Alabama, potentially. What I like most about him is positional versatility. We have multiple positions back there in the defensive backfield. We have corners. We have stars. We have safeties. Uh, we can play high safety. We can play safety in the box. We've got a corner that plays field side, a corner that plays the boundary side. Most of the time, we just play left and right. But Kite can play every defensive back position every single one i'm not sure about money so let's just say he can play five of them <laughs> he can play five of the six positions and for that alone i like him because you can just sort of plug him in uh i think primarily he'll be a safety uh and, and he might he could end up being a safety that plays in the star position a little bit like malachi moore's uh doing right now but uh what i like most about kite is uh, ball skills and uh, i'm not comparing him to eddie jackson that's not fair or accurate but what he's like, like Eddie, is I think if Kite gets his hands on the ball, he's an offensive player. I mean, the, the, the moment he he possesses the ball, he's a threat to score. Uh, he, he's just that athletic. So I have Kite a couple spots higher than you. But right above uh, Pope, I have Traquan Fagan from Thompson. Fagan's from Thompson. Uh, bigger kid. I, you know, I think he's going to actually I, – I, I sort of thought he might be a corner. I think he's going to start out at safety. 
at Alabama, another candidate for the hybrid position because he's safety sized, but he has corner skills. And what I really like about Traquan, my favorite trait, or, or just the reason I'm mostly excited about him, is he played at such good programs. He played a really good program at Oxford High School where he became well-known all over the state where he got offered by Miami and, and others. And then he transfers to Thompson, the premier program in Alabama, and, uh, and just picks up where he left off. So he's been trained by the best high school coaches, at the best program, uh, a big uh, uh, he's a, he, to, me, to me, he's just a big corner. So he's going to play safety at Alabama, cover safety. Uh, that's the new wave. The new wave is cover safeties. The old days of safeties who just sit back there and just close line receivers. Those days are over. Safeties have to be able to cover, and Fagans can do that. So excited about Traquan Fagans, even though I have him at, at nine. And, uh, and for everybody to put this in their back pocket, his younger brother just completed his ninth grade season, Antoine. Fagans and uh he's a complete badass uh Antoine's likely to be a five-star type prospect uh in three recruiting cycles from now yeah first off figured out where we went wrong I listed number six twice which that'll do it to you so at least we're back on track I do have all 11 players thank goodness I was wondering how in the because I, I went and countered it I don't know anyways so I have actually have Jake Pope at number 11 I have Antonio Kite at number 10 and I I have Fagans a little bit higher than you uh, I have him at number eight but I completely agree. I kind of thought he was going to play corner. Uh, he's listed as a corner, but as you pointed out, I do think he's going to play safety at Alabama, or at least that's where he's going to start out at. You know, he's your typical or was your typical press corner in high school. I think Alabama really liked his playmaking ability and how it would translate to the back half of their defense. He's not a top-shelf athlete necessarily, which also might have contributed to the move, but he's, you know, not even close to being a bad athlete either. He's extremely solid, good athlete, just don't think he's a top-shelf elite athlete or anything like that. I think he can actually bring some Deontay Thompson type of range if he can make that transition. And he's a, you know, a physical player. So I think him being physical, you know, I think he's a great candidate to make that transition. For me at number nine, I have Jaheim Otis. And, and the reason that I have him listed a little bit lower, I like him a lot, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 370 pounds. I know going into his senior year, he was up there closer to 390. So he's already heading in the right direction. I think at Alabama, before you even are in the conversation to be getting reps, you're probably needing to be south of 350. So I think he's probably got at least another 20 pounds to go. But, you know, he's he's so wide, he doesn't even have to take a step, and he can play, you know, he can two-gap for your defense. I mean, the guy is just a freaking block. Really massive. You know, you would think because of his size, he would be that space-eating presence, you know, the, the Terrence Cody type. And in some ways, he is just because of his, you know, sheer size. But that's not necessarily the case because he's extremely athletic for his size. You know, he does show explosiveness, which is absolutely wild for a guy who's, you know, has played at 390 pounds, has played at 370 pounds, and, and he wouldn't be listed all the way up there as a top 80 to 120 prospect if he didn't have the complementary athleticism to that size. But he's going to, because of his size and his talent, he's going to demand double teams, which is going to free up your linebackers to go and make plays. But like I said, he needs to get south of 350, and that needs to be the primary goal. It would be great if he could already be working on that in the spring. I guarantee you Alabama with him enrolling early, he'll definitely be – that'll be part of the focus. Um, but he's going to be a very good player in the future for Alabama, and I think he brings a lot of run-stopping uh, tendencies as well. Yeah, the thing about Otis with me is, assuming there's a lot of want to, because we had a similar kid a couple of seasons ago, an Ishmael Sopcher-ish, and uh, – Ish 
Ish was a project. I mean, he, he was going to need some time to become a player, but him and the people around him, they, they didn't think so. They thought he should have been starting in the SEC immediately. So, uh, you know, so he took off and went someplace else where he also didn't play uh, at, a, at a, a program that doesn't even have as many players as Alabama. So that bad taste in my mouth aside, uh, I don't think Otis and, and, uh, and his people will have the same attitude. It's going to take a minute with Otis. It's going to take a minute uh, in, in terms of figuring out, okay, where is your best playing weight? Terrence Cody's playing best playing weight was really high. I mean, you know, you didn't have to get Cody down to 310 for him to be an effective player. He was really effective at what we asked him to do at 360 or whatever he was. So with Otis, I think it's a, a matter of finding out, okay, what, 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 what weight does he play his best football in terms of what we're going to ask him to do? We're not going to put him on the edge and ask him to rush the passer. That's not a thing for him. I mean, it's, he, he's, he's a pure nose, uh, and, and maybe, maybe if he lost a lot of weight, he might be a really good just, uh, you know, one gap defensive tackle, maybe. Um, so you just got to find out what he is. I mean, that to me, but his upside is humongous. His upside is the kid at Georgia, you know, uh, Jordan Davis, who had, I mean, that's his upside. That's he, he could possibly be that guy. You just don't really know until you know. Uh, but I'm really excited to find out. I hear he's a great kid. He's already enrolled. He does well in school. Uh, he, he does. He's, he's a good kid. I, I think he's going to work hard, and I think he's going to make a big contribution. It'll just be really interesting to see uh, what that looks like. Yes. Where did you have him ranked at? Oh, uh, I think I had him at seven, so I had him a little higher than you. But, okay, but, yeah. uh, but, but, but not like crazy. I, we're, we're in the same neighborhood with all this, and, and even with my next kid, uh, you know, to, to, to talk about is Isaiah Hastings. Um, I, I, I really juggled about whether to have Hastings here or Otis here. Uh, you know, I had Hastings below Otis. You had Otis below Hastings. I think for kids that are radically different, they're similar to me. Uh, and I say similar in the sense that with Hastings, it's going to take a minute. I, I mean, I don't think this is a guy that's going to play next fall. I, I, I don't think this is a guy that is in or maybe not even – a, a big part of things in 2023, but I love him because maybe by 2024, he could be the best defensive lineman on the team. Uh, th this is a kid that's learning. Uh, he hasn't played football very long. Uh, he certainly hasn't played at this level, uh, but his length, his natural size, his get off, his uh, ability is, is next level. I'm super excited about Hastings, but and since we're sort of doing this on impact, like, power rankings like like who are we excited to have i'm really excited to have hastings i'm not excited about an immediate impact i, I think short term i'd have put him near last on the list long term i should have put him higher than he is and maybe i've got him a little bit higher and i'll reveal that you know when we get there um but i think your argument is fairly safe um and, and we'll talk more about that when we get there but number seven for me is curtis perry another defensive lineman, the defensive lineman, there's three of them. And I think that this is the position that's kind of like the receivers. It's like all three of them are very talented. It's all about what do you prefer? What do you like? What do you look for? And that's where you can kind of get some differences as far as where you rank some of these guys. And the reason, you know, Curtis Perry, I think he's a guy that could contribute a lot earlier than Isaiah Hastings. So maybe I should have had him higher on the list, 
but kind of like some other players in the class. I'm not saying that he's maxed out by any means. I'm just saying physically, I don't know exactly where he's going to end up being at. Um, you know, he's like 6'2", 265, 270 pounds. He's been able to add some weight, lightning quick off the line of scrimmage. He's great at the point of attack. Could see him being that Deshaun Hand, LeBron Ray, Byron Young type where kind of I view them more as an interior defensive lineman, but they also line up out there on the edge in certain situations. And he's a very stout, thickly built defensive line. Like I said, he can play some edge, especially on early downs, kind of like a Byron Young, kind of like a Deshaun Hand back when he was there. LeBron Ray did it. He played some interior in nickel rabbits. He played, uh, you know, some edge on early downs. Prayer's got great motor, great effort player. I, I talked a lot about Damon Payne and, and Monkel Goodwin and their ability to come in and be situational pass rushers in year two. Curtis Perry could end up being one of those guys that gets involved in that mix as well. And, and he would only, even though he's a true freshman, the coaching staff in the ideal situations, they like to play these guys in situations where they're comfortable. They don't like taking them out of their comfort zone. As they're teaching them to be as complete as they possibly can, they will only play them in situations that they feel like they're comfortable in and that they can excel in. And for a guy like Curtis Perry, he can provide that situational interior pass rush. You know, when you go, uh, you know, nickel rabbits, I do like pain. I do like good one, but I would also include Perry in there as well. I could easily see him being a three technique interior defensive lineman in Alabama's Don nickel rabbits uh, package. So big fan of him. And maybe because the fact that I think he's going to be able to get on the field earlier than a guy like Hastings, maybe I should have flipped these two. But the reason that I didn't is that I think Hastings upside is just so enormous that Perry is kind of limited a little bit physically. I think he's getting close to being maxed out as far as being a player physically, but that player is still very good. Yeah, we seem to have the same exact opinion about, I mean, the same exact opinion on Hastings and Perry, regardless where we rank. We have the same opinion is that I like Hastings in the long term, but I like Perry in the short term. I, I think Perry shows up ready to help us because he's going to be really good at that one role. And we're playing so much nickel rabbit right now that that that's just ideally suited for him. Uh, if he lines up as an interior tackle uh, in our nickel rabbit package, I mean, he might be our best interior pass rusher day one. I mean, that's how good I think he will be getting off the bus. Now he's undersized. He's never going to be a big guy. He's probably never going to be, uh, and I hate saying this, I hope he doesn't listen to the show. He, I, I don't know that he'll ever be a top-rated NFL prospect because of his natural frame and size, but that doesn't mean he can't be a great college player. And, and I think particularly in a specialty role like interior pass rusher in, in, uh, in rabbit situations. So I like Curtis Perry in the short term a lot. Uh, Long term, I think Hastings or even Otis may even prove to be better all around every down players. Uh, than than Curtis, but Curtis is going to help us right away. Uh, We don't even have to work on that motor. He's going to get off the bus uh, ready to play Utah State. And and so where did you have Perry ranked? Uh, I had Perry ranked sixth, I believe. Okay, so you had Hastings at seven? Yes. Hastings seven, Perry at number six. I actually had Sean Murphy at number six. Next for me too, man. (laughs) Hey, we're we're right. And the defense to me – is a, we're, we're going to be a lot closer. Um, and the yeah. reason that I like Sean Murphy, and we'll talk more about why he's a little bit further down the list uh, when we get to another certain player who's going to be playing another certain position that kind of pushes him a little bit further down the depth chart. 
but you know he's he's between six two and six three sub 215 pounds but his frame suggests that he would be able to carry a lot more weight which i think would benefit his play style very physical does great work playing downhill and locating the the ball carrier he has that stack and shed ability which is what you're going to be looking for in a three four inside linebacker because when you're playing that three four you're asked to do that quite a bit now when they go to nickel rabbits it's more of a you know you're going to have one or two linebackers out there you got four guys in front of you eating blocks you're not really going to have to deal with offensive linemen as much. But when they go base package, you really want a guy who can really stack and shed because he's going to be taking on offensive guards pretty much every snap. In a lot of situations, the two-gapping and stuff makes that – it tries to help protect those guys a little bit. I still think he has some work to do as far as Murphy and coverage. Uh, I think he's a little bit stiff in the hips, not just a very fluid athlete, but I think he's very aggressive playing downhill. I think he can provide – uh, if I had to compare him to a player, even though he's a lot smaller at this point in his career, I would probably say Nico Johnson, you know, because wow. he's got that very physical style. He's more of a two. I wouldn't say he's a two down thumper, but, you know, Nico was never considered a coverage guy. He kind of played, you know, in tandem with like a, a CJ Mosley when uh, Nico was older and the Mosley ended up taking over the three down role. Sean Murphy's a guy I could see him playing some early downs, maybe even remotely early in his career. I don't think it's necessarily going to be in uh, 2022, but I could see when some guys start to move on, you know, a, a Henry Toho Toho, maybe starting in 2023 or 2024, I could see Sean Murphy getting in, in the mix. And it depends on how he's doing with his, you know, how is he developing as far as his fluidity, his, you know, comfort playing and coverage. How is he developing in that aspect? If he's getting better, I could see him being a three down guy. Otherwise, I could see him being more of an early down guy. And not just from a, I compared him to Nico Johnson, another Alabama linebacker, former guy would be Trey DePriest, you know, a guy that was very limited as far as his coverage ability, but was very good against the run. So that's kind of what I, he's been in the news lately. He, he has. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, those are the kind of players that I would compare him to now, but he has the upside to end up getting up there and, and really improving in some areas that he needs to improve in to really make his overall outlook look a lot better. So Jimmy, who do you have at number five? Uh, Sean Murphy. Well, Murphy. we talked about it. Yeah, Sean, Sean Murphy, uh, just like uh, just like you had Murphy next. Um, and, and everything you said, and I love that Nico comparison. I'll just say this about Sean Murphy in terms of quick impact long term. Uh, he's a guy that myself, I'm almost rooting for him to redshirt for two reasons. Number one, I do think he can. He could use an, another layer of muscle before he plays in the games up here. Uh, number one, but number two, I see Sean Murphy as our future Mike linebacker, the guy, and, and, you know, and that's been an issue for us lately is a Mike linebacker that, uh, that, that makes all the line calls. It's a real leader of the front seven. That's sort of a coach on the field type. And uh, we, we'd really struggled to find one until Henry Toa Toa came along. Um, I think red shirt and Sean Murphy and giving him one more additional year of maturity makes him a little older than his class. Uh, he, he just really needs to immerse himself in the mental side. And, and know the scheme really well. And I think redshirting can really help in that regard. So I almost hope we don't see him at all this fall, that he, he just gets bigger and really learns the defense so he could potentially be our future Mike linebacker, make all the line calls, be the leader. Because I think intangibles-wise, there's some toe toe in him. Now, he's built differently, much different athlete. But I, I think intangibles-wise, he can be like Henry, and we need that in the program long term because we only got Henry for one more season. 
you know what? I like that because coming out of high school, I thought there were some kind of limitations a little bit. There was some improvement that need to be needed to be made in coverage. And Henry certainly made those improvements, but as far as just instincts and just understanding where he fits, where other guys fit, Sean Murphy brings a lot of that ability. There's a reason that everybody thinks so highly of him, despite the fact there are limitations in coverage and it, because that's where the game's heading. So you got to be really good at a lot of other things. Uh, if you're going to be able to compensate for that, and if he can make improvement in that area, I don't think he's quite as limited from a physical standpoint as like a Shane Lee, because those are issues because, you know, he was never going to be a very functional athlete with him being kind of on the shorter side, very stiff, um, you know, him losing weight, going from 248 to 240. That's something that I thought was smart. He was kind of a too much of a ball of muscle and it limited his, you know, fluidity. With a guy like Sean Murphy, he didn't have those physical limitations. He's a little taller. He's definitely leaner at this point. I think he does get up there in that 235, 240 range before it's all said and done. But he has the ability to really, you know, also continue to improve in the areas and make some growth and changes to really help his overall game. At number five, uh, which means we're going to have the same top four, but I have Isaiah Hastings. We've already talked about him. People are all over the place with this guy. You know, ESPN had him, you know, as a four-star prospect, but didn't even have him on their overall rankings. Their ESPN 300 rivals had him all the way down there at number 245. Yet on three has him listed at number 53 overall. So, uh, you know, borderline top 50 prospect. And honestly, you know, on three is very big on projecting where guys can be. Um, and I think that that's going to end up in the long term. When you go back and look at some of these rankings, I think that's going to make on three look a lot better uh, because they're really looking at what this guy can be and not necessarily just what he is. And, you know, so very raw prospect, but he has tremendous upside as both, you know, a run defender and as a pass rusher has true three down potential. And that's what I like him, you know, about him compared to Otis and Perry is that I think long-term, this is a guy who is going to be a player who's not only going to be impactful against the run, but he can also be an interior pass rusher. And he's got upside at both and he can be playing on all, on all three downs. And, and I really like his hustle. I like his initial quickness. I think he can play some three, four defensive end. I think he can play some, you know, four, three defensive tackle when they go in their uh, nickel rabbits for packages, just great overall defensive prospect. And, you know, I think that before it's all said and done, he's the best defensive lineman in this class by a pretty wide margin. It's just, it might take him a little while to get there. So Jimmy, who do you have at number four? Uh, probably the same kid you have or a little. That is exactly right. <clears throat> yeah. Oh boy, our, ours, ours really almost lined up here. Earl, I love Earl is a guy I think is going to be the rare defensive back good enough to show up and start. Uh, I think uh, playing for a coach like Pat Sertan senior playing alongside Pat Sertan junior or Pat Sertan, the second playing at a program in Fort Lauderdale, where he's playing against great competition every night out playing against good competition and practice, having a dad that played in the NFL, you add all that up. That's a kid that plays right away, but, we don't have open available spots. I, I don't know that there's a spot for him to play next fall. So I think we're looking at one of our best special teams players. Hopefully he'll be excited about that role. And then being a guy that just plays some in the fourth quarter, I think he's good enough, a little bit like Kool-Aid McKinstry, who was clearly good enough to start all last season. He only got the opportunity to start when people got hurt ahead of him. I think Earl shows up like Kool-Aid, good enough to start. I don't know that he'll have a big role. Kool-Aid did because of injury. Earl could end up in the same boat, but uh, I love his long-term. This is this is an NFL player. Earl, Earl will be a starter, 
and, and eventually an NFL player at Alabama at corner or safety, though I believe he'll primarily play corner or star. Yeah, I do. Uh, I like his versatility. And, you know, it was a little bit on the lean side. On three, I think, has him listed at six foot, 161 pounds. I think he's gotten a little bit bigger than that. I think he's pushing 170 plus at this point, And I think he continues to get a little bit bigger. Um, he needs to. He needs to be playing probably around 180, 185, kind of in that Anthony Averett type of size. Uh, very similar build to Anthony Averett, but I think he's a lot more of a uh, – Averett's very athletic. He had great straight line speed, but as far as COD skills, you know, change of direction, a lot more agile, in my opinion, than Anthony Averett, and I think he shows a lot of versatility. I think that, you know, he's very sticky as far as his man coverage is concerned. He played a lot of nickel and inside stuff. Uh, in high school, I could totally see him playing star. I think that if you end up bumping uh, either Brian Branch or more than likely Malachi Moore back to safety in 2023, once you lose your two starters in DeMarco Helms and Jordan Battle, I could totally see Earl Little kind of stepping up and being that number two guy behind Brian Branch or Malachi Moore, whichever one doesn't, in that star role. But then also can play some perimeter corner, can play some safety if you needed him to. He's a lot better at stopping the run than his size would indicate. You know, you see 160, 170 pounds. You think, you know, this guy is not going to be playing super physical. He's scrappy, man. And that's a he big does. reason why I've seen him compared to Tyron Matthew. It's not great ball skills, great coverage skills, but it's more so of his ability to be a lot more physical despite the fact he's a little bit undersized. And on three compared him to uh, Byron Murphy, a former corner for the Washington Huskies, who was a second-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals, was actually the number one pick in the second round to the Cardinals a couple of years ago, I think in back in 2019, been in the league for a couple of years now this past season, you know, had four interceptions, really starting to make an impact. But like I said, very physical player, despite being a little bit undersized. Murphy, I think, is like 5'11", 190, and he's now going into his fourth year in the NFL. And I, so I think that, you know, Earl Little could end up being up there in that kind of size as well before it's all said and done. And uh, he's a very similar style player. And I don't know that Alabama's just going to love that ferocity that he plays with. And, you know, we'll kind of just see where he ends up. I think he could be a guy who could play early. I think he's good enough to play early, but there just aren't a whole lot of opportunities. So where does he fit into the mix? I'll be curious to see. All right, so who you got at number three? Probably the same guy I do. Uh, we might be a little different here. I, okay. I, I'm, curious to, I'm curious to know already. I have a Jihad Campbell at three. Okay, we are a little different. That's fine. We might go different there because uh, I know you are sky high on Campbell, and I am too. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a multi-year starter. Um, he's going to start out inside at Alabama. Uh, but, but you know, the player I compare him to, I think I'm on an island on this, but the player I compare him to, which is a heck of a compliment as far as I'm concerned, is Rashawn Evans, who was an outside pass rusher in high school. That's what Rashawn did. Uh, that's all he did. And then he came to Alabama and he played that role to an extent, but he did most of his damage at Alabama, played his best football at Alabama inside. It will, and, and, and I think that's what Jihad is, uh, a will linebacker and uh, a guy you can play in space, a guy who can do a little bit of everything, and I think that's today's best will linebacker, a guy that can – look, a linebacker's got to do about six things. It would be fantastic if you could do all six, and I think Campbell is that guy. He'll be a great blitzer. He will get downhill and chase quarterbacks as good as any inside linebacker we've had. I also think he's so athletic and has such good hips. He will be good in coverage. He'll be good against the run, both laterally and in the box. Uh, I think he's just a do-everything linebacker, a Swiss Army knife there. And uh, I think he's got a heck of a bright future. And, hey, I, I love all of our defense. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're the third best defender we signed, you're, 
you're a damn good football player. Well, one of the big things that, you know, if you remember Isaiah Simmons was kind of a safety linebacker hybrid for Clemson. Uh, ended up being a first-round pick by the Arizona Cardinals. They love kind of those guys who are scrappy and can do a lot of different things for you. Jahad Campbell isn't that linebacker safety hybrid. He's that edge linebacker hybrid. You know, yeah. more of the Micah Parsons, Rashawn Evans, like you brought up. But he's a defensive chess piece. And I think that Clemson missing out on Jahad Campbell, I think, is a huge deal because they have done a very good job of finding roles for guys like that and, and being able to deploy them and utilizing their skill set correct. And I think that Alabama's defensive coaching staff will be able to figure out the perfect way to deploy him as well and he is going to play a lot of off-ball linebacker early in his career could totally see him playing some edge when they needed him to but you know he's a high energy player much in the same way that will anderson was and coming out of high school you know with jihad campbell you know he was six three six forty somewhere between there 220 pounds that's kind of very similar to will anderson as well who was kind of that 220 230 range coming out but they both had frames that could carry a lot more weight you know, Will Anderson came out at 225, roughly. Now we're sitting up there at 243. I could totally see Jahad Campbell getting up there in the 230-plus, 235 range. Um, he's got, you know, a lot really big hands, which indicates that he is going to be able to get a lot bigger. His frame can carry a lot more weight. And he's got cover skills for days. You know, he's very comfortable playing in space. I don't think he's quite a finished product as far as rushing the passer. Um, he's got plenty of burst and explosiveness off the edge. But he plays, you know, a lot of what he does and where he wins as far as being a pass rusher is with power and effort. And I don't think that, you know, when I've watched him in the limited amount that I've been able to watch, you know, I don't get hands on, you know, three years of high school tape or anything like that, even though there are some of these top prospects I've actually been able to squeeze out. I don't know that I'm supposed to be saying this, but I've squeezed out some high school tape and actually mm -hmm. gotten to see full on games. And that's one of the big reasons I like Jihad Campbell is I've seen everything. And from what I saw, he didn't always have a plan as far as being a pass rusher, but he did show a lot of improvement in that area when he got to the Under Armour All-American game, which is a huge reason he was able to kind of skyrocket up boards. And I think that he would continue to develop in that area, you know, with time. That's just that happens with pass rushers. Young guys who are able to win with just size and power early on. You learn to have a plan. You get better. I don't think he has elite bend, um, but great explosiveness, a really good player. I think that Pete Golding and Nick Saban are going to have a ton of fun working on him and figuring out how they're going to deploy him. And he's going to be a problem for offenses, which is why I have it at number two. I have Jeremiah Alexander at number three, a uh, very unfortunate that that player ended up, I forget his name. Uh, they'll probably end up going to Texas A&M because everybody else is, but uh, uh, the one that reclassified. Oh, LT Overton, Labaris Overton. Yeah. I think that's what caused, if I'm not mistaken, Jeremiah Alexander in the on three rankings is now a four star. He dropped from the number 32 player to the number 33 player. I think they reclassified and put that other player up there and that's what dropped him, but it doesn't matter. I mean, five star, four star. We, we talked about Jeremiah Alexander quite a bit and he's just a guy to me, top notch power edge who can anchor extremely well. He understands leverage, got great, strong, violent hands, great at setting the edge against the run but he's limited just due to physical. You know, he's kind of maxed out physically. You know, I talked about Curtis Perry. Jeremiah Alexander's kind of that for the edge group. You know, he's already a great player. He's already a guy who could come in and have a role early at Alabama as long as they, you know, if they run into injuries or whatever, I think that he can end up having some sort of role. But he's just, you know, because he's 6'1", 6'2", he didn't have great length. Think you know he's not a great pass rusher. He's a good pass rusher, but I think he's kind of maxed out 
as far as his explosiveness and bend and all that stuff. So I think he's going to be a very steady player for Alabama. We've talked about him being compared to Carl Lawson. I've seen Courtney Upshaw, which I really like. I even see a little bit of Ryan Anderson. You know, he was kind of a five-star guy, but more of a – he was kind of maxed out physically a little bit, but ended up being a good player. Ended up getting, you know, seven to ten sacks a season. I could totally see Jeremiah Alexander being in that range and being a great player. And one thing about it, and I've been thinking about it quite a bit, because this is where how I thought Drew Sanders and Dallas Turner could be deployed. I'll be curious to see how the coaching staff views Dallas Turner. You know, he played in a part-time rotational role this past season, even though he ended up getting a ton of snaps. By the time he was actually, you know, quote-unquote starting some games, depending on, you know, which package was out there to start, uh, he got some starts, but he was playing about 50% of the snaps. And really they were playing – him in, in obvious passing situations and do they view him in 2022 as a true three down outside linebacker if they do then great I think that he certainly has that upside and can do that but if they need a guy who can play on early downs and then rotate Dallas Turner in Jeremiah Alexander could work in tandem and that would be a way to get them both on the field and I think that would work extremely well because Alexander is a good enough pass rusher where if he's an early down and they end up throwing the football he can provide some pressure but then you know, Dallas Turner is a good enough run defender where if they try to run the football in, in obvious passing situations or, you know, Dallas Turner just ends up being on the field, you're not too limited as far as your run-stopping ability. I think that those two would work in unison pretty well, but it's also possible that they could choose to, you know, use Dallas Turner on 85% of the snaps like they do Will Anderson. So I'll be curious to see how that ends up playing out, but I like Jeremiah Alexander a lot. I just don't think he offers as much upside as some other players. Yeah, just like we talked about Curtis Perry, I, I like that comparison since that I think Jeremiah is going to show up what he is, and that's great. He, he can play coming off the bus. I mean, he, he, he will be able, to, if we needed him, he would be able to play a significant role against Utah State uh, game one. Uh, he, he's ready to play. He's physically ready to play, like you use the term maxed out. I mean, I, I think Jeremiah Alexander is already very close to as good as he'll ever get, which is a good thing. That's good. Uh, you need uh, really mature freshman and uh, he's a Saban bot that's one of the reasons I have him so high this is a guy that's going to do everything the way Nick Saban wants it done all the time uh, great kid kind of a gump for 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 such a, a nationally recognized elite prospect uh, he loves Alabama uh, I, I think he's going to be really good uh, you know we came up with that Carl Lawson comparison uh, you mentioned Ryan Anderson. I compared him to Ryan Anderson a few months ago and got sort of hated on because I guess people don't don't think enough of Ryan, even though he was an All SEC player and a second round pick. And he's he was still a five star prospect coming out of high school he, too. Five star prospect, and I compared him to Ryan Alexander and got the Have you watched Jeremiah's tape? He's way better than that. But that's just how people are about recruiting. But uh, I love Alexander. Glad we have him. I, I think it's going to be tough for him to get on the field. Uh, in, in the sense that he's joining the most uh, talented room we have on campus. Agreed. So we both have Eli Ricks at number one. Makes perfect sense. We've seen him play at an All-American level. I mean, third-team All-American is a true freshman. So I think started seven games for LSU that year, appeared in all ten, four interceptions. He was limited to just six games this past year due to a uh, shoulder injury, which Nick Saban talked about. He did have one interception, but 6'2", 100, 195 pounds, Excellent ball skills, really physical player, uh, just the complete package at corner. And he, I think he's going to automatically come in and assume a starting role and be fantastic as long as he buys into the Alabama way, which it seems like he is. He really was eager to get to Alabama. 
and learn from the best and compete with the best, I think he ends up doing extremely well. So give us a, a couple of quick thoughts on Eli Ricks. Immediate starter, all SEC player, potentially all American first round pick. And we know what we're getting. Unlike the high school players, we know what we're getting. We've seen Ricks at LSU playing in a similar program against the same schedule. He's already a star player. Uh, he'll be even better at Alabama because of the coaching he's going to get from Nick Saban. And uh, he's number one because we know exactly what we're getting. Uh, all SEC, all American. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bama on three show. We'll be back next week. You know, we got some things planned for you guys. Definitely going to be continuing to answer questions. So if you got any of those, send them to, to Jimmy at QB underscore country, or you can send them to me at Clint R. Lamb on Twitter. You can hit up the, the Bama on three Twitter and send them there. The Bama on three show, whatever you want to do, just however you want to get it in. We'll try to get those answered and we'll have some other content for you guys as well. So appreciate you guys hopping on here and we will talk to you guys soon. This has been the Bam on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.